0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Cheezo, it's round 13 and I've got Pistol with me to talk through some of the issues that we have coming into this round, Pistol. It's great to have you on board, mate. I, I hear that you specifically wanted to be on the recap podcast. Is there any reason for that?
1: No, not, not in terms of my uh, actual team, but uh, possibly in terms of a little uh, bet that we had going a couple of weeks ago that's turned out to uh, <laughs> be coming quite good for myself.
0: Alright, talk us through the the, the the little bet that we had that um, uh, the listeners may not be aware of.
1: It was just a very simple bet from um, a couple of weeks ago before Carlton took on St Kilda um, where a lot of people were deciding to trade out Sam Walsh in what they thought was his peak price and uh, you weren't against the idea of people trading out Sam Walsh and I said, well... I will bet with you for the Cancer Council um, that he will average greater than 90. And I even gave you 90 on the dot um, (laughs) by the time of his buy. from that point in time until um, his buy, I was a bit worried after that 67 at Essendon, but that was at the MCG. So I knew I'd had some uh, Marvel Stadium games where he scored really well. And he did not disappoint last week with a massive 141. So you must be uh, sweating a little bit, Cheeso.
0: I think, what do I need this week to pull it off? I need like a a 58 or something like that and I still win, right?
1: I'll give you 59 because that will be the 90 on the dot which (laughs) I did give you. So you can have 59 and uh, 60 and above and uh, you're... Yeah, I'm, I'm toast.
0: So basically, I need Walsh to have his lowest score of the year at a game where he scored a ton against um, the the Bulldogs last time. Yeah, 112 at the same stadium. So, good luck. I feel like I'm in a bit of trouble. Should I just put in a donation now, or are, are we dub- <laughs> are we doubling down? Like, are we double the bet in coming into this week? Can I can I get a can I get a redraft? Can I get a, a refinance on our bet?
1: Uh, no, no. You can just pay up at the end of the bet like a normal person. So you're not
0: interested in doubling down if it's a, a 90 or above this week We just forget about the previous weeks?
1: Are, are you you think maybe maybe we'll talk about the software. maybe you should think it through before you start saying things on the podcast
0: Look, maybe uh, may- like that Maybe odds. instead we uh, let the community decide on my punishment, but uh, definitely happy uh, to, know- to donate pistol. Uh, we should also jump into some of the donations, mate. Do you have any there in front of you? I, I imagine there's been uh, a-, a few little things that have popped through um, from uh, some dumb things or maybe some, uh, some donuts that occurred in the first week of the buys.
1: Okay, but I did. I, I am uh, kind of a bit taken aback, Jesa. You didn't want to mention your your twenty forty eight this week, which was a a nice score um, for yourself. But we'll, I guess, gloss over
0: that. Yeah, I, um, I, it's because then I have to address uh, round thirteen, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment.
1: Oh well, I'll just quickly <laughs> chirp in. Just the the nineteen eighty three for me, a big miss with the the Kelly captain C
0: that yeah, it was, did hurt. It was disappointing was not um, it?
1: But into the Cancer Council, we have Phelpsy, who is donating for dumb things. Um, so I appreciate you getting around that, Phelpsy. He has donated for trading in Toby Green last week, expecting him to play in rounds 11, 12, and 13. Now, that is worrying because, obviously, he didn't even make it to round 12. So, ouch. Um, he will be back this week, apparently but who knows who really he's trusts He's proposed GWS. to be back
0: from knee soreness, I believe. He, he, he's, he's, he's earmarked to come back, not confirmed.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. If he scores 160 next week, uh, then I'll uh, yeah donate for you <laughs> to, to take back your donation. Um, so we'll see how that goes. He'll make it up in one round, like his points that he's lost you. Um, and thank you to Matt Donaldson, donate. This is kind of a double donate for donuts as well as a donate for dumb things. It's uh remember to emergency players. No. Every
0: week we say it Pistol every week.
1: No. I, I so many people this week they just reverse their trades last minute to just have a quick little switch around. And then they don't put the players either back on the field and they leave them on the bench um I think there's a couple of people that might donate later in the week. We might read that out in the next podcast to did the old reverse trades leave maybe cedarfield on the bench with no emergency as well yep. so ouch that is that is painful but i am expecting a big week for the Cancer council this week given this is the tough buy rounds i think uh, if teams aren't kind to us chezo it won't just be, it will be me donating again, actually, if teams aren't that kind. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we go and hopefully we'll be able to break through the $5,000 mark as we are at uh, $4,935 uh, since the beginning of last year for the Cancer Council.
0: Yeah, well, I, at least at this stage, um, I'm the only podcaster not to have to donate, Pistol, because I, I made that rush trade to, to cover a donut in my back line. Um, when Marty Hall was laid out, so uh, it sounds like it 's just going to end up being me to tick us over the line there
1: yeah, or if atlee isn 't named um, but before the end of the bias and i 'm donating again to oh, so, so <laughs> I mean, for a, yeah it's not it 's not been a good few weeks for me, so <laughs>
0: that's that, that 's a bit rough uh, poor throttler with the the three little zeros on field
1: uh, yes, Ooh, not good.
0: No, not good. Um, uh, I suppose this is the, the the one week out of plenty where LG Life's Good Lamb George doesn't have to donate for the Adam Trulaw ton. Um, probably not best on, but still got the medal pistol. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure you were watching very well from the stands there, mate. I, I, I hear you had a, a very nice, comfortable seat.
1: No, I did. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to the Medallion Club, Ooh. so I did enjoy that.
0: But I'm the... going to pretend I know what that is. That's okay.
1: <laughs> no, you're not not from. I sit in the rain, town. mate. There's no rain where you're from. (laughs) I know where you live. And it's just cyclones
0: yeah, yeah That is pretty much it um, We will also Jump over to Patreon uh, We've had One new sign up Since the last podcast Joel Gibbons uh, Very well done On the weekend Getting a, a 109 For us on our field For for those that had to play You in the buys there Gibbo So <laughs> uh, Great to have you on board and Great to have you already In the Slack channel So that's been fantastic um, And Pistol The last thing I'll touch on uh, In terms of housekeeping Before we get starting Is the, the Doctor Supercoach Cup We've only got uh, the next two rounds um, before we're going to start kicking that off mate that that's pretty exciting that's super exciting i can't wait for that i think everyone's really excited we're all buzzing and
1: chat about it we'll probably yeah get the draw up as soon as we can after the completion of the last buy round so yeah you got to be in you got to be into the the slack before
0: then yeah and we've got 125. Um, already entered. We're hoping for 128 or more because it just makes the bracket so much easier. Uh, What we've decided, Pistol, um, if we do end up going above 128, we're going to assign buys across the first round. So um, the higher ranked you are, the more likely you are to get a buy in the first round um, where the the other entrants who are lower in the rankings do have to kind of play off a little bit to get through. It's almost like a qualifying round there, Pistol, uh, to get into the round of uh, 128.
1: Almost, but it will still be randomised. I think the bottom half yeah. anyway. So it's a lot of luck as there is with any knockout tournament, but uh, it will be lots of fun,
0: and I can't wait. Yeah, we've got an interactive uh, little bracket that you can slide around and see who you're facing in, in the future as well, which I'm really excited about. Because well, that's that's half the fun with like bracket competitions. Like we've just seen the tennis is just on half the fun of me like seeing the scores is like trying to figure out who's going to meet at what what round, and it's uh, kind of the same with the, the the NBA brackets and stuff like that, mate. So. Um, that's going to be uh, exciting as well um, but we will uh, move straight into uh, like uh, some actual super coach talk Pistol. I always feel like the, the starts of our podcast just start to drag out a little bit um, a very interesting round uh, first week of the buyers but I think that most coaches probably navigated it pretty okay
1: yes well as the first one um, approached. I think people plan for it a bit better, but they don't realize the impact that their trades are having on their teams for the future rounds. So, this round and next round, or this round in particular, uh, coming up is probably the one that's going to get a lot of coaches. You, you kind of, unless you were planning from it for well in advance, it's very difficult just to. St- through this week just because the vast amount of premium players that actually have this buy cheeser
0: yeah and it's not just uh, like the big uh, two in the ruck line with Gorn and Grundy but you've also got quite a lot of the, the big guns in both defence and the forward line uh, with the likes of Danger, Tim Kelly, you've probably got a, a Heaney, um, a Jake Lloyd definitely in the back line so the, the, there's certainly a lot going through. Um, I'd just like you to comment on maybe the way that our approaches to the first round of the buys have changed in recent years now that we've you know experienced that buy this year and we can kind of reflect on what we did um, in years gone past we've probably, uh, had the idea that you shouldn't trade in the first round because you're only going to, um, a lot of times, bring in donuts if you're, you're trading on that stage. Uh, but now we kind of see it as like the perfect opportunity, almost like a free hit if you've structured your team well um, to to really bank some cash so that you can really upgrade excessively as the, the final two buyers come and go.
1: Yeah, Chizo. firstly... You can't just unload that question on me with out of nowhere. I was not expecting that. And secondly, you answered the question yourself. So thank you for that. That's all right. Uh, I do,
0: uh, maybe do appreciate could, that. Yeah, maybe maybe, uh, uh, maybe I don't need to uh, um, really come up with these things if I know if I'm going to answer them off the top of my head. But, uh, well,
1: I mean, it depends when the buys are. Every year is different. This year, you know, it was kind of perfectly placed where it was right in the middle of our, I guess, upgrading. Well, probably actually it was a bit too too late. I think in previous years it's... It's been earlier, so hasn't, get, it? hasn't it? Yeah, you get rookies with maybe a, a little bit better job security. Now we're kind of trading in rookies that, yeah, you're probably only going to last you a handful of games. Um, so yeah, every, every year is different, but the where the buy actually is, whether it's earlier or later, has a significant difference in our strategies at the beginning of the year and what we should target. Maybe one little lesson that I've probably learned is to look at the player's that have the final buy rounds when I'm selecting my starting team because players like Paddy Cripps, um, if you didn't start him, it'd be very difficult to, you know, want to trade him in this week, for example, or, or last week, knowing that they have that buy. Obviously you feel better and it does make more sense to trade in the player coming off their buy. So if you, didn't start with Patty Cripps, maybe that's a lesson learned for next year to look at the players. The, the premiums that you think are going to be at some stage must-haves and if they are in that last buy and you're deciding between two players, pick the player with that final
0: buy. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly agree with that. We are, the, the further we go into the year, as you say, the more upgraded our team already is. So you're kind of um, forced to skip a week where you could potentially upgrade because you know that, um, some of the rookies that are available probably don't have the greatest job security. And you're also, you know, um, a, you might be bringing in Boak one week before his buy. And so you you end up kind of sitting on your hands a little bit to kind of bring him in off the buy um, and, and kind of trade around it. So uh, it's, it's certainly interesting how the buyers uh, and our strategies towards them have changed over time. And I guess with the buyers being a little bit later this year, um, or at least the first one in comparison to previous years, how our overall strategy changed. Like, like in reflection last year, we basically didn't start with um, any Port Adelaide players if we could help it because they had the, the early buy. So um, I like that it, it, it's forever changing landscape and, and the strategy is certainly uh, uh, evolving as the, the game goes on. Um, we have mentioned uh, players coming in off their buy. Uh, pistol... We should probably touch on the... like We always see on Twitter and, and, and on, on other discussions not to bring in players yet to have their buy. So someone like Hooley, if you had the ability to bring him in this week, just talk about through your thought processes is on either bringing or not bringing in someone before they've had their buy.
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be team dependent. I, I wouldn't... It's not my first choice unless there's a player that's much better... That that has that last buy that you don't own. Um, so, for example, if you don't have Crips, I know I'm jumping back to that example, but he has the final buy. And if you didn't have him, oh, well, I feel sorry for you because you've missed out on a massive score. Um, but let's say for some reason, in this example, you need to or you want to get Crips in for this week. If you're fine for next week and it's not really going to affect your, you know, rookie scores. It depends. Like if you're, I think there's a difference when I say rookies. There's a very big difference when you have like Durzma on your field, or if you have like Corbett on your field.
0: That's that's a like apples difference. and oranges. Yeah, <laughs> so if, nearly outscored him, and he had the bye. <laughs>
1: you're, you're not wrong with that. Too, so. um, but yeah, if if getting crips, you know, this week means next week instead of having just Dursma as your you know worst rookie on field, but now you have. Corbett as well. Then it's something that you really need to think about. Is it worthwhile getting him? Maybe you should wait until after, or you should get if you can get Crips at a later point. Maybe it's worthwhile getting someone coming off their bye this week. Um, as long as you still have a midfield slot to upgrade to Crips, but yeah, it's not it's not a one size fits all. There's no no right answer. Obviously, if it's not going to affect your team at all, maybe you have Dosmer on the bench next week, and you now get Crips, and Dosmer comes on the field instead of a Slightly, slightly better rookie or worse rookie, you know, then it's probably a worthwhile, uh, fine move to make. Cheezer,
0: yeah. And the reason I bring up this kind of discussion is because we see uh, a lot of comments going around uh, the way that Bashir is kind of. Um, really exploded in 2019 and the scores that he is able to produce. And we said going into last week he hadn't played a top eight side. Well, he's just played the top of the ladder, the what are they, 11 and 1 or something now, pistol. And he's had one of his lowest scores of the year uh, of a 93. So um, a lot of kind of. Um, it, Coaches are seeing that as a, a basically the sign that he's going to be a, a good selection for the rest of the year. And so they're looking for potentially an upgrade this week. So I'll give you an example from my side pistol so at least we can put this into context for some people rather than it being theoretical. Uh, the way that my buys have been structured, I'm going to be forced to bring in one forward and run one defender this week. And I'm faced with the, um, the puzzle of picking someone like... Um, say, a Luke Ryan or a Basher Hooley in my defence line this week. And again, it all comes down to what I'm going to be um, faced with the following week. I'm going to have 18... Um, Players available next week before this trade comes into consideration. So uh, you would think that with the three trades next week, I'd be able to cover any potential donuts that I might have. So uh, the question becomes, is there going to be a benefit by getting Hawley this week over a Luke Ryan? Should I be looking at that one-week kind of uh, points burst or should I go with the guy that um, is coming off the buy? And I, I think I'm kind of still leaning towards those that have had their buyers like a better selection because even though you're getting Hooley in, he might outscore Ryan and, and uh, has that scoring potential. I still can't get over the fact that I'm going to be down a premium next week that I could have on my on my field. So even though next week I have 18 playing, that's that one extra rookie playing that I would have instead of a a, a premium. So um, I guess that's uh, that's me just trying to put it into context. Pistel. So I'll,
1: I'll- Maybe add some numbers with your example. Sure. Let's say now you've you're 50 points worse off next week because you have one less premium and one extra rookie. So that's right. There's 50 points, and you know if there's 11 rounds left, 11 matches. I actually didn't. I assume there's 11 matches. Then you know it's going to be roughly five points per game. Yeah. Um, that's Hawley would have to outscore Ryan for you to actually make back those points. So there's not that many games left. So you need to. Yeah, take that into consideration. Um, Chizo, talking about upgrade options in the back line, do you want to run through, how about you do your two, two favourite downgrade options, sorry, upgrade options, premium sure. targets down back this week, and then I'll do the next two if I can find them, and we'll, we'll just do that across each line.
0: Well, I think, um, firstly, players coming off their buy, I think is what we should be really kind of defining it. Um, just based on the scenario I've given. I think obviously Sicily is my number one potential um, upgrade target in the back line. Um, and obviously seeing as I'm considering Luke Ryan as a potential bringer, I already have Sicily, that's why I'm, uh, that he wasn't part of that discussion. Um, but Luke Ryan, obviously in my thoughts, would probably be my second option and looking to bring in.
1: So I know, I think a lot of people are going to have this question. If you had to choose between Sicily and Luke Ryan, there's a 30K price difference Obviously, Sicily being the cheaper one, who would you get and why?
0: I would personally get Sicily. Not only is there the price difference which can work in your favour, particularly when the buyers, when every single dollar seems to count, like we always seem to be that, you know, 5k short from the players we want. So if you can get Sicily um, over Ryan and you get 30k, that's a bonus. Like, I think that's fantastic. I also think long term, Sicily is going to be the better scorer personally and that's why I'd be going ahead of Ryan. I think Ryan does have a little bit of a difficult final series as well so um, that kind of sways it a little bit in Sicily's favour also. I just think overall he's just genuinely a better supercoach player so a better supercoach option. I think JB touched the other week. He said Sicily seems to have got that gut punch behind play out of his system so maybe he's good for the rest of the year.
1: (laughs) I think I would also prefer Sicily. Um, Probably slightly different reasons to you, but mostly last season, you know, he went 105. So I feel like he's a little bit underpriced for what he can produce. He hasn't quite put the season together yet, but there's still only that one score under 80 for him. And whilst this draw may be difficult for Hawthorne, The ball ends up in their back half more, which is just, I guess, better for Sicily. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but you just got to look to this year where he's gone 105 against GWS, 117 against Geelong, and 100 against Adelaide. Um, Those are good scores against really tough opposition. So if that's going to continue throughout the latter half of the year, then Sicily is someone that I'm going to want in my side. Not that Ryan's a bad pick, and he's certainly um, a POD pick, but I just feel like Sicily is slightly a bit more better value and they are going to score roughly the same.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, so run us through some two other options uh, other than the obvious ones that I've named.
1: Well, <laughs> I regret saying two after those. All right, give us uh, one. Give uh, us g- give
0: us a left field one then.
1: Uh, look, I was <laughs> I was going to say Tom Stewart cuz I think he's a great pick, but I don't okay, obviously he's got the bias. So I can't say Tom Stewart. Um, I'll I'm not going to say Hooli because we just went through that. Although I do think Hooli is a perfectly legitimate option if you can manage to get through the next buy rounds and everything that we just discussed. Um, I still think he's a good pick even with Jaden Short coming back. There's room for both of them. Uh, the town is not yeah big enough. Is big enough for both of them. Um, Jason Johansson, kind of surprising. Um, probably people are screwing up their face right now. Being like, <laughs> ooh, gross. Not JJ. Feels dirty. Um, yeah, it, it does, just because all that past history of him being great, and him being bad, and, and all over, but I'll tell you what, he's got a five round average of 100, um, he's averaging 94 for the season, and his scores have just been really solid this year, he put up 116 last week, he was playing off the half back line, he had 32 touches, and the previous week, he turned up from 20 touches, um, and that's That's good science, especially when you look at their draw going forward where they just play almost every game at Marvel Stadium. They actually play seven games um, from now on at Marvel, which is huge. Um, And he has scored there this season a 97, 105, and 104. So I feel like at only 476K, he's in 1% of teams. It's definitely higher risk, and I would pay the fifteen k more f- for Sicily. But if you want a POD and you're just as shy of Sicily, I think you could do worse than Jason Jones. Yeah,
0: and people, uh, it, I've, uh, what's it called? Recency bias. I think is is the term um, pistol wear. It, last year, all that we can remember is just how disappointing he was when he was being played across the half-forward line for periods of games, whereas we've seen this year he's got a low score of 71. Um, he seems to have got that floor back now that he's playing pretty much his predominant um, half-back role that we like to see him. So um, there's a little bit more confidence there across the start of the year that um you know there he's got that scoring power back and that consistency which is what we like to see but also remembering back a two or maybe even three seasons ago he was high on everyone's top 6 defensive List. So I remember he had a blazing um, uh, start to 2017 pistol. So we know he definitely has the potential. So that's a, a, a nice little one from you there. I don't, I, I don't hate it at all, mate. So uh, because of that, I'll let you go through the, uh, the midfielders. Who are some uh, players that you'd like to upgrade to coming off thereby?
1: Well, given we've got the Bulldogs flavor, I'll just whack out there McRae and the Bont. Um, I'm more, more of a fan of McRae. Obviously, he's a bit more expensive and he's a little bit better. Um, but Bont, people seem very thrown off the Bont because of his last couple of games. Um, granted, he has started this season incredibly well and then slightly fallen away. Um, you know, he's got, he, he started with 158, 97, 124, 127, and his last five games is only tunned up twice. But, there's a 99 and a 96. It's really, if you look at his scores this season, he's just had one bad game, and it was last week. Well, not last week, it was a week before that. Because um, he, well, he had the bye <laughs> um, against West Coast, where they got absolutely pounded in West Coast. As I said, he plays at Marvel for the rest of the year, pretty much. His scores at Marvel this year, let me read you his scores, Shizo. 158, 124, 104, 146. 118. All of his top games, are one, where he got 127, every other game is massive at Marvel Stadium, and he plays there seven more times. It's ridiculous. I know he's played relatively weak teams at Marvel, but don't fear, he has Colton this week at Marvel Stadium, and he still has games at Marvel against Melbourne, St. Kilda. I guess Fremantle a bit more difficult now, but um, there's the fixture varies, but Bulldogs I don't think are as bad as uh, they currently seem to be just because they got whacked last week, as you said, a bit of recency bias, and there's no reason he can't average 110 on the run home, and he's only 543
0: kg, so... Yeah, and that's that seems like an absolute steal in comparison to what we can get him at, at the start of the year, so he's already down $116,000, so he just it seems like a no-brainer.
1: Well... Have you, uh, have you got somebody that you'd like to add into the mix?
0: Well, I, I think I've talked about him quite a few times this year, and obviously there's a little bit of Essendon bias there, but I am still a big fan of Zach Merritt. I think that he has that ceiling that when he uh, he does get that freedom to play through the midfield, you've got Dylan Shield coming back who's more than likely going to cop the attention before um, before Merritt does. I really like the idea of, of being bringing in a Zach Merritt um, to... Uh, to finish off as a, an M8, I think you should you could do much worse than uh, the accumulator in Zach Merritt.
1: So he's got a break-even of 148, and he has possibly possibly a Hutchings tag. We said that probably doesn't exist anymore. And then maybe DeBoer in round 15. Does that scare you off?
0: It does a little bit, but the way that I kind of think it is the break-even doesn't worry me so much. If I can afford him at um, 565 at the moment... I bring him in for his scoring potential for the rest of the year. So I guess the question is, am I going to be confident he's going to score for the rest of the year? I think I am, because I don't think they're going to send the attention to him if we've got Dylan Shield back in the side. I think they're more likely to negate uh, Shield than they are Merritt. So I'm running the risk in advising towards Zach Merritt, but um, I, I get exactly what you're saying. i just kind of leaning on the fence. I think that his positives outweighs benefits and the, the fact that he's um, only in 7% of teams probably suggests that people are a little bit worried by his variance um, and the fact that he does tend to have a quiet games if copping attention so I guess I'm kind of banking on the fact that he's going to be a little bit freer in the back half um, with um, Shield kind of showing that he's the, the go-to player to try to shut down an S in the midfield.
1: And obviously, Fife is life if you don't own Fife. Chizo, so do you want to take us through uh, maybe your top two forward options coming off the buy?
0: Okay, well, this or, one's... Or
1: not coming off the buy. Or not. Keep that in mind. Or not. <laughs> the,
0: this one, I think, is very, very easy. If you don't have Josh Dunkley and Travis Boak, they're the two that you should be jumping on because if uh, you don't have either of those on, the, on the, uh, the road home, you're going to be burnt very badly. So...
1: I'm going to just mention Caleb Daniel. I think he's worth a shout. He's averaging over 100 and he's only 484K. As we mentioned before, the Bulldog's draw is unreal. He kind of seems to be a little bit affected by the weather, uh, Mr. Caleb Daniel. So when he's under the roof, he is safe.
0: Uh, to score There's water droplets well. come up to his knees, though, so you got to cut him, and cut him a little bit of slack.
1: <laughs> he's to wade through the water.
0: To to the ball. He's got to put the long stops on. Oh,
1: so Josh Dunkley has a five-round average of 121. Would you be cutting costs and getting Caleb Daniel for 80K or 70K less uh, than Dunkley if you had to choose between one of them?
0: If money was an issue, then yes, I would be happy taking wow. Daniel because I think Daniel is going to still go 100, 101 or 2 on the way home. Like He's, he's not going to change all that much. The problem is that's only if you're forced to do that. Because your your first choice will be to get Dunkley because Dunkley's role is just exploding his scoring potential. And he, I, I think Dunkley is the one, if he continues the rest of the year, he's the one that will burn you the most out of anyone else in, in Supercoach. Because if you can't get him in your forward line at this stage and he goes 121 for the rest of the year, um, I don't even know if Travis Boak is going to match him on the way home if he can, continues his form.
1: So that's that's a great question. Would you rather... <laughs> You have to pick one. Would you rather Dunkley or Boke, um, if you could only choose one for the rest of the season?
0: I would choose Dunkley just because of the Bulldogs' run. I think I think okay. I that I, I think the Dogs' run is going to work in his favour a lot more than Boke. I still think Boke is going to be absolutely incredible, and that's why they're they're both one and two. But I, I personally am going to go Dunkley.
1: So Boke has four games in a row at Adelaide Oval after where he scores this week, very so he- very well. Where he scores incredibly well, and he's 50k cheaper than Dunkley, so does that sway your mind?
0: No, no, <laughs> it, it's close. It's close. It's close. But I th- think, yeah, Dunkley. Dunkley for me. That that that's just right. that's just my choice.
1: All right. So then, um, I was going to mention Mo- Rowan Marshall, but I just really need to ask now: uh, Ding, Mary, Kill, Dunkley, Boken and Daniel. What? Never mind Let's
0: talk about Rowan Marshall (laughs) That went straight Uh, over my head (laughs) Rowan Marshall Talk to me about him
1: (laughs) Rowan Marshall 462k uh, Comes up against Gold Coast this week Fresh off a contract extension uh, Three years I believe They signed him So they've obviously got confidence in him That he's the main man going forward Um, A five round average of 101 Three round average of 101 An average this year of 100 I thought You definitely thought I was going to say 101 Yeah Um he, he's cheaper than the lot of them at 460k. Would you, if you had to cut corners, would you be taking him or Caleb Daniel?
0: I'd take Caleb Daniel over Rowan Marshall just because, uh, as we've talked about previously, I see a bit little bit of Nankervis in him that I, I feel like as the season goes on, he might just tire a little bit. Like, this is his his first real taste of um, AFL football week in, week out. Yeah. Um, so I kind of see Daniel as uh the the safer option. Obviously the ceiling of Rowan Marshall is just incredible he's he's even shown against um some of the best ruckmen in the competition that he can still score. He almost touched up Grundy a few weeks ago.
1: <laughs> let's let's not get that far, Chizo. Yeah. Oh, come on. Um but uh, I, I it grinds my gears when people are talking about yeah, when I say people I mean you and J B say he's like Nancovers because I just don't think they're anything alike but I would still prefer uh, the security of Caleb Daniel over Marshall as the season goes. Caleb Daniels, he's so consistent. He's not going to ruin your season, whereas there's a slight, even if it's a 5% chance that Marshall just derails your entire season. Oh, I
0: don't know. Daniel kind of ruined JB's weekend when he uh, he chose him over Dunkley and Dunkley went 150 or something like that. So uh, Daniel can still ruin a weekend. Don't, don't you worry about that, mate. I
1: think he's been... Quietly happy with that uh, <laughs> after waiting a couple of weeks. Um, one last player that we need to talk about, Cheesy mm-hmm. on the forward line Jay Z, Jack Siebel, 474. He's a must
0: have, isn't he? You've just got to get him at all costs. Nope. Sell the farm. Bre-
1: break even of 39. <laughs> he comes with a free barge pole because uh, people, are, people are giving it to him. So he's taking it and now uh, you can own one too. Um, all right. So it's a new coach. Higgins is now out for... He's had surgery six, six weeks with that AC. Mm-hmm. There's a midfield spot for him. I think um, I think it was Frico that said in the last seven weeks, he's only spent one game outside the middle. Um, in that time, he's turned up five times. Uh, his opponents haven't been the strongest of sides, but still, five tons is five tons. What... What is what is the problem? What is your problem with Jay Z Chiso?
0: I don't think there's any real problem. I just don't see him keeping this up for the remainder of the season. I feel like if I'm upgrading the rest of the side, if like if you want to take a risk at F six, then fine. But like my F six right now is Isaac Heaney, so like I don't really want to have that high variance kind of player, two of them in one line, if that kind of makes sense. I'd I'd rather take the security, as you say, of a Caleb Daniel over a Jack Zeeble because I just feel secure knowing I'm going to get a 90 to a 110 any given week rather than Zeeble's potential to go, uh, you know, one he went 140, 50, 110. Like, that, that's the kind of variance that I just don't want to have in my team in multiple position so um, I don't mind like a, a occasionally having someone like that but it's just me personally the way that my team set up so um, the whole argument around there being a new coach that he may get more mid-time we have no idea what their intentions are we're only going to know in 10 rounds time what they decided to do unless well Higgins is out as well I know but we, we're we still completely speculating. We have absolutely no idea. So you'd be trading him in on the anticipation that something would happen. So, so you're bet... You heard it here first. Ma- we have no idea. <laughs> you're making a bet that he's going to be worth more than what you're boarding him for. It's, so I, I just personally like the security of Daniel over Jack Zeeble. And I don't remember a time where Jack zebel has gone like, one hundred and ten for the entirety of the season without getting injured. I just, I just, no. he, he always seems to find a niggle of some sort that's going to force him into the forward line because he's just so in and under contested, no neck battering ram. So it's just that's just my personal take on it. Like I have absolutely nothing against those that are getting Jack Zabel. I know a lot of people that do have him and they're really enjoying his incredible scoring. Um, but that's just that's just my take of it, and you know. Especially with his buy still to come, um, I'd be looking at getting him uh, off his buy at any bait. I I wouldn't be getting him this week. I'd be getting a Daniel over him as well.
1: No, you make some fair points, Chizu. I think a couple things to add is definitely there's a chance either him or Cunnington are probably going to cop the DeBoer tag um, this week against GWS. Not sure which one. I find it interesting, though. Obviously, Jay Z can play up forward. So, if they do want to bring in maybe some pure midfielders uh, for Higgins, someone maybe that doesn't have the potential to play forward, uh, then he might get pushed forward. Like, it, if a Hearn comes in, they're probably not playing Hearn as you know a, a marking a strong marking forward. Up. They're, they're probably not doing that. If they bring in Aaron Hall, I can't see them doing that either. So, they, if they depends on who they bring in, I'm not convinced that he'll stay as a midfielder for the entire season um, and even if he is I just think that it's going to depend on who they play um, each week it's not guaranteed that he's going to score well when you look at their fixture it's not great it's very bad so it's the same problem I have with Cunnington they barely play. They only play at Marvel four times for the rest of the season, and they've got some really tough games as well as some really hard away games as well. Um, I've mentioned them before, but, I mean, they play GWS this week. They play Collingwood in round 15. In round 18, they've got Brisbane in Brisbane. Then they've got West Coast in West Coast. Um, but two weeks after that, they've got Geelong in Geelong. Um, yeah, it's, it's not pretty Uh, I'd say there's even potential if you look at the games they've got coming up they've got GWS who um, obviously run a tag, Collingwood who are hard to score against, St Kilda's got Jack Steele, then they play Essendon possibly Dylan Clark, who knows Brisbane have Jared Berry West Coast have Hutchings Uh, the list goes on, this is all in a row and I don't really know what they're going to do with these run with players, taggers but for someone that for 10k more you can get someone who's had their buy in Caleb Daniel and is a much greater chance of just continually scoring 100. I don't kind of see the point in taking the risk. I know that ceiling is tempting, but it just doesn't... It's not enough for me.
0: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And the the thing is, we have a lot of exposed form on Jack Zeeble. We've seen him as a a designated midfielder and, and, and only a midfielder for many, many years in the past. And so we would have to predict a sudden and dramatic increase on his previous um, history. We're going outside of uh, known data or anything like that. It's, it's totally a gamble and a prediction about what's going to happen because he's got career averages. Um, in, he only averages above 90 in two of his next 10 opponents. And it's, uh, GWS re-averages 95 and Melbourne re-averages 93. And I know that's over a number of years, so uh, it's not just a sample of when he was forward or when he was a midfield. That's, that's his career average. So um, I just I don't see it. I don't see and, like, I don't see this hundred and five hundred and ten 110 that everyone thinks he's just an absolute must-have and he's going to do it for the rest of the year because even if he goes midfield, it's not something we haven't seen before and have exposed form on.
1: And Chizo, don't forget, he comes with a free barge pole, so that's good. That's right, man. The barge po- That's right. The barge pole is cursed. <laughs> that's bad. Um, let's let's jump into the rookies, though. Sure. So players players that you could probably look to downgrade to to free up some cash this week. Uh, I think that's probably going to be a hot topic. There's only a couple. I won't say any of them are particularly great either, which is the disappointing thing. Yeah. Um, Chizo down back. Uh, I think people are possibly choosing between or one of, um, both Patrick Nash and Ryan Gardner. Uh, do, what what do you make... I'm not saying choose between them. Or actually, you know what, I will say choose between them. <laughs> but I also yeah. want to know your thoughts on each one of them uh, independently.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I covered... As you know, I cover the draft pretty close every year and I was huge on Patty Nash in his draft year. Uh, he slid down a little bit because... As a junior, he was exposed as being so outside. They were a little bit worried that he was ever going to develop that um, contested side. Uh, But the thing is, he's just so good at what he does. Like, just look at Jake Lloyd. He doesn't need to get a contested disposal all game to be extremely influential for the Swans. So the likes of Paddy Nash is finding his own niche um, to play his own way. And his first game, um, we really saw, saw his potential um, uh, particularly along that wing he's got speed he's got skills uh, I really like the look of him I think he is the better of the two options in terms of who is a better player um, out of who's the other one Ryan Gardner um, the fact is that there's so many injuries at Richmond and as long as he's playing well he's going to be getting games so his scoring potential is and his okay-ish job security. That if you're someone that is still going to be struggling to finish your side because of how poor our rookie selections have been through the, um, you know, the second um, quarter of the year, uh, from like round five onwards, he could be potentially another really good rookie cash generation option. Um, so that, that that's that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is if you're downgrading a D eight and you have no intention of Ryan Gardner playing. Um, any other games uh, other than uh, you know a war body during the buys, you could make the argument that the bargain basement price and the DPP works really really well for you, or the fact that um, the dogs are the best post buy captaincy loops, loophole option. Um, so there's definitely pluses and minuses. I still think that Nash, uh, should he continue to play well, is going to keep his spot. And he uh, is going to be a really good cash gen should he get a couple games in a row. So that's that's the way I'm kind of leaning. I'd love to get Paddy Nash, uh, preferably coming off the bye if he's got two games under his belt.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing with Nash. Everything on paper sounds great. You know, he was averaging 24 touches and the goal in the VFL, as we mentioned last week. He came into the AFL and he still got 20 touches and a goal. The scoring potential is clearly there for him it's just the job security which is a little bit of an issue but some people just need a warm body for this one that's week right. chizo and if you do i mean the, there's there's not actually that many better options i mean we'll go through a couple but he actually is near the top of options that i would get this week because they're all bad and he's got <laughs> they're the all scoring potential <laughs> so i'd rather the one that even if they're all going to play one week i'd rather the guy that's going to score the most but He's not guaranteed to play one week. I think um, even there was there was news today that even Dusty and Flossman aren't guaranteed to play this week and Ellis might come back and, you know, they're all over the place. I, I can't imagine Jaden Short comes straight back in to the side. He'll probably play some VFL, so there'll be a couple of spots. And if he plays like he played in his first game, that they're, they're probably not going to drop him. I mean, you've got to re- reward the... They have been rewarding youngsters that have been consistent. And yeah, Dimmer tends to, to do that if performing.
0: they're playing well. They, I mean, he gave Noah Bolter about forty-five games in a row before he touched the ball. <laughs> so surely he's going to keep his spot.
1: Well, there's look, there's. I'm not saying that it's you know a great chance, but he has every chance to keep his spot, and that's just up to him. And he has shown in the VFL that he can score really well, and showed in his first game. I think he had a forty-three point first quarter that he can score well in AFL level as well. So to have that as a defender rookie, 123K, um, he's certainly someone I've got my eye on. On the other hand, Ryan Gardner doesn't really have the scoring potential. He's going to need to kick goals to score well. Um, but he has the job security, chezo. He, he came straight in basically from VFL, gets drafted in the mid-season draft, gets straight into their side and performs okay. And you know he came in above their other key talls so they obviously that that would be pretty cool to bring you in just for the one game and then drop him and be like ah oh, actually we liked what we had oops <laughs> like i feel like he he's going to get a decent run at it so if you need to downgrade to someone he's certainly a safer option he's probably the safest pick out of all the rookies in terms of job security but he's scoring potential he did score a 41 last week and i can to see plenty of 40 scores from him in the future as well Chiso. so they're probably I guess Gardner's got that forward um, DPP as well so it was a forward and defender at 102k so kind of can plug holes at both ends um, if I was getting one this week and one next week I'd probably go for the one with more scoring potential this week in, in Paddy Nash otherwise if you I guess we'll compare them to the other rookies, but I still think those two are probably at the top of my list. Um, Chizo, Brett Buley has scored a 49 and a 47, uh, just the 11 and 13 touches. Uh, do you think that he
0: holds his spot? It's a good question. I think that he potentially could be on the chopping block uh, just with the return um, of a couple of their um, stars like Stephen Hill, uh, there's going to be someone that's going to move out of that side. Uh, I think the interesting thing to note is he's not he's been playing full-time mid before he got drafted. He's been playing full-time mid in the waffle, and they're playing him as like a, a half-forward flanking role uh, in the AFL so far. So that's definitely influencing his ability to get around the contest and get the footy. But the thing is, when you watch him, he actually looks like he's making an impact um, on the game, not so much on the scoreboard, but around the contest, and particularly in the forward half. Um, I really do like... The things that he's doing, so um, it's hard to say. It's hard to get inside the the, the the mind of Ross at any given any given week. But uh, he's not. It's not like he's been absolutely flopping, and they just need to get rid of him. Um, I, I have actually been reasonably impressed with what he can do. I just wish he'd uh, get a little bit more time around the ball to help boost that scoring potential. So
1: I think. Stephen Hill comes straight back into the side and he's possibly available this week, if not this week, next week. So he's coming back ASAP. And then just try to get in the mindset of Ross Lyon. Harley Bunnell is finally fit. He's now carved up the waffle two weeks in a row. You've got a half-forward flank spot. Am I picking Brett Buley or am I picking Harley Bunnell? It
0: seems like an easy decision, doesn't it?
1: It does. So I, I, I can't see... I can't really see unless something magic happens Beley holding his spot any longer than any than than Paddy Nash <laughs> like i I feel like Nash has at least can earn his spot I feel like even if Beley plays quite well he could still be dropped that's right uh, for some other Fremantle players so I, I'm leaning against um, getting Beley and hey we'll we'll see what happens with Harley Bennell but I think that's one for a different podcast <laughs> um, and then <laughs> who knows gezo um. And then now there's someone else that's uh, come out with a 99 in their first game of the season. And that would be Dil Clark Cheezo from your mob, the Dons. How do you rate his job security going forward?
0: Look, he got the text during the week, do you want to play on the second best midfielder in the competition in Paddy Cripps? And he said, for sure, I'd like to uh, prove why I'm number one. And went to head-to-head with Paddy Cripps and just destroyed him. <laughs> um, they actually asked Paddy Cripps if he uh, wanted to hit the showers after the game he said no Dylan Clark's already gave me a bath I'm uh, clean as a whistle Oof. Um, Oof. <laughs> Dylan Clark obviously uh, well documented that he has that um, a little bit of issue with his disposal and that's really hindering his um, you know his immediate inclusion for the long term and the the the, the don's side uh, if he can clean that up that's that's literally all we're waiting on because he does all the right things. He's in absolutely ripping nick, um, and he's got the, uh, the the inside ball winning game that I think the Essendon midfield needs. It's something that we really lack as a, a, a genuine inside mid. They're playing him as a tagger um, in the VFL. They've brought him in specifically as a tagger. So um, I don't necessarily th- necessarily think that he is going to uh, be uh, given games. I think it's going to be match-up dependent and for some reason they always give David Myers a game uh, over Dylan Clark even though he can't seem to find the ball on any given week so um, dylan clark's job security is iffy at best um, but if he keeps putting in performances like this then I, I think he's going to be carving out a little tagging role in the future so when he when we are coming up against these big bodied midfielders like a patty Cripps, uh, i think he's going to be a really easy inclusion but on a week-to-week basis uh, i'd like if they're not able to find a tagging role for him or a run with role Uh, i just don't see him having that job security to keep him there so for those that are bringing him in off that one game his scoring potential looks great uh, but i definitely wouldn't be picking him up until he's on the bubble
1: Yes, I think that's good advice. I, I hear, yeah, his kicking efficiency is quite poor. They say he kicks it like a fridge, which is not very nice to Josh Begley. Um, <laughs> but he, he attracts it, it like a magnet, that's the thing. <laughs> um, Chizo, there, there was news today that Woosher came out and said that um, with the return of Dylan Shield, Dylan Clark isn't guaranteed a spot in well, the side... Yeah. But they might be able to find a different role for him. Now, that scares me a lot because as somebody that picked him up five weeks in advance in our Keeper League last season, <laughs> waiting for him to play in that Don side, they finally brought him in and I threw him straight onto my um, forward, forward line just for two scores in the 30s because they stuck him in the forward pocket and tried to get him to play as a pressure forward, which he couldn't do. Yeah. And he scored back-to-back 30s, and then they dropped him. They didn't even give him any midfield time whatsoever. So when I hear Wusha saying, yeah, we, we might find a different role for him, you know, not a tagging role, that terrifies me. I, I don't want him to play in the forward pocket and score 30s. That's, that's not what I'm paying 147k for. So... I think it's a very, very strong. Let's see how he goes next week. When Shield is back in the side, what role he gets, and then we can make a decision based yeah. on that.
0: And I would not go early. It's on. when they say, um, you know, they see Dylan Clark as a tagger going forward. I didn't actually legitimately think they said, let's put him in the forward line. <laughs>
1: yeah, going <laughs> forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, so so that's why between those four options, which I think are the, the four most popular options this week, Chizo. Is it fair to say that your order would probably be, in terms of at least job security, um, Gardner, Nash, and then
0: probably Buley and, and Clark? Yeah, the, the, in terms of job security, I think if you have to bring in someone this week to get a score out of them, Naish would be my number one.
1: Yeah, I think um, it is what it is. We don't have great rookies, um, but we have to make the best with what we've got. Yeah. Um, and that's that's probably it. Now, Chizzo, the another talking point, just two more. Don't worry, we're nearly through this, guys. Yep. There were a lot of underperforming rookies this week. Um, I just need to look at my team and I can see about six of them. So that's people that pretty much scored less than 48 maybe by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, which one do we get rid of first, Chizo?
0: That is a very, very good question. Um, Do you want me to give you a
1: a couple of names and you can just lay it on me? Tell me what you think.
0: (laughs) I I think in let's take uh, defense, for example, I think you should be prioritizing getting rid of the rookies over, say, a mid-pricer, which I think you're alluding to. Um, I'd be looking at moving on the likes of, uh, say, a Darcy Moore or a Jordan Clark if you still have them. Um, the question... I th- Jordan Clark. Ooh, Jordan Clark's time to go. Yeah. Um, the one that you're alluding to is Brody Smith. Uh, his scores are starting to suffer since the return of Miller and Luke Brown. We don't see him going forward as a keeper option, I guess you would say. Pistol, I, I think it's important to highlight that at no point of the year do we think he was going to be a long-term keeper option. We just thought he might be able to hold his high 80s, low 90s average for a little bit longer than he has.
1: I don't I don't like his round 15 matchup, Geelong in Geelong and then Port Adelaide, but they do have a really nice run home. They've got Gold Coast, Essendon, Carlton, Saints, West Coast, Collingwood, Bulldogs. All right, so the last couple starts to tail <laughs> off a little bit. But there is that mid-run where he could bounce back his average. So I don't think it's a desperate trade out really. Um, I think this is something he's done the whole season. He did cop a run with roll from coming, some would say a tag. And this whole season, he's gone one good score, one bad score, one good score, one bad score. So this week, lock him in for a great score. So you're going to regret it. (laughs) That's basically how it's gone if you get rid of it. But Cheeso, I think down back, um, would you prioritize getting rid of Clark or Ainsworth?
0: I think Clark because you're able to do a little bit more with the cash that you're getting from him.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like one has kind of peaked in price, um, being Clark, and the other one still has a little bit more yeah. in Answorth. Uh, so it's basically an, an easy sort by um, break-evens, and not just that. Answorth has DPP, yeah, that's so great. that's super valuable. So I'd be, um, I guess, targeting him. Um, in the midfield, I don't think anyone in their right mind is getting rid of Sam Walsh now, Chizzo. He's probably a hold, as is Gibbons. Yep. So I'm not sure there's anything where stressed about there. Maybe if you're <laughs> getting rid of someone like Will Hayes who doesn't play anymore, yep. um, maybe maybe something like that you might want to have a look at. But down forward, um, oh, I should say Sydney Stack as well. Um, do you see any urgency um, to get rid of Sydney Stack? <laughs> Hell or no. Or is it just... You just trade him at his yeah, buy. Yeah,
0: trade him at his buy. Maybe not even that. He could be a bloody M9 for all we know. He's, he's been fantastic. and uh, He's making money. Yeah. He's got... Yeah, break even at 42. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. You, you wouldn't be moving on. And a lot of people this week trading um, the, the likes of Baker and Stack together to try and cash in and stuff like that, they are fantastic warm bodies on the field. Like, Baker had his lowest score of the year, I think it was, for 50. Like, if, if that's his like his floor as opposed to like a Corbett who he got 10 last week, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that every game. Like, why would you trade Baker and keep Corbett? on the field, like if you've got to play him during the buys, like uh, keep those guys until they're, they're having that buy. They're not playing and just get, and and flick them then. Um, Michael Gibbons, uh, similar in the same, um, same there pistol. He's got a, a great break even this week. So he's going to jump up another like 20 or 30 K after that 109. Um, And you'll be able to trade him at his buy. He's ended up being one of the better rookies. I remember at the start of the year, everyone was just whinging and myself included about his scoring potential. But, the two games that they've played him in the midfield, he's tunned up, and he has played every game. He's going to make it all the way to round, um, what are we? Round fourteen before he he has a, a forced week off. You, you can't really ask any more from him. So uh, to play every game and average sixty, it's going to be great. And I'm I'm really happy with that selection.
1: Well, I mean, you could almost hold him at M nine if he's. I don't know if they're going to continually play him in the midfield, but we know at VFL level he gets heaps of the Incredible. ball. So. If he turns up next week, keep your eye out for that. Um, Chizzo, of Cetterf- we're looking at the forward line. Cedarfield is an, an obvious hold. Um, but let's talk about, I guess, the three key men. You've got Corbett, you've got Petricelli, and you have Bolter. They're all awful. Yep. Which ones, in, in what order, would you get rid of
0: them? I get rid of Petricelli because you can use his cash better and he has the buy, so um, you'd be trading a zero for potentially someone on the field that can outscore whoever you've got there because Corbett's probably going to back up his 10 with a 10 again. Um, (laughs) Corbett hasn't made enough cash. He's a little bit in the mold of Will Hayes and Bailey Scott where they just haven't made that cash to turn a trade into anything of use. Um, So you basically have to have all the money in your bank to be able to do anything with him if you're planning on upgrading so be that as well. And I don't have Bolter on the screen. What's his price at the moment? I feel like it's very much along the same lines as Petricelli. It'd be a little bit more expensive.
1: Yes. Yeah, so Bolta is three hundred and ten k, which is great. That, that's fantastic. But he has a break even of hundred and nine. Yeah. So he's at risk of dropping thirty
0: k this week. So yeah. Well, in, would you trade him before Petricelli? In that kind of sense, I guess Petricelli is not going to lose cash. But he he's just going to average 45, 55 for the year. Um, somewhere in that in that mould, and he's not going to fluctuate. So if you need to move him on at any stage, you're, you're going to have that cash there. But with Bolter, because he's had that a couple of good weeks and then his role changed back to being basically useless, you've got to cash that, that money in before it disappears because he's going to drop back down to 210 k before you know it.
1: And Asprey's been ruled out this week, so Bolter will play again, you'd think, as a key defender where... He scored uh, me a ni- nice twenty nine. I did call an under thirty, trying to reverse jinx. Him, but he actually <laughs> actually did score under thirty, which was very uh, disheartening. So I would get rid of him asap because he is at serious risk of losing you thirty k yeah. this week. And um, there's, there's yeah, him and Petracelli have got to go. Corbett against St Kilda could
0: potentially score. I'm-
1: Yeah, I'm not happy. Like, I I wouldn't be happy with him on the field. But if I had to, I think that this week he could score his usual 55 to 60 score. I think this will be a much better game for him than than last week was. Yeah,
0: and uh, the last thing we'll touch on on potential trade-out options. um, Darcy Moore averaging 78, really, really good kind of standard deviation, doesn't really... um, he hasn't got a, a terrible floor, which has been fantastic. His DPP, if you pair him with Ryan Gardner, could be a really good swing man uh, in forward and defense on any given week. So uh, just keep that in mind. Those that are trading him out or potentially trading him out, uh, myself included, his DPP could still come in handy for the rest of the year. He's already had that that week off um, uh, combined with his little ankle niggle as well, I think, Pistol. So uh, just one to keep in mind as well.
1: I've, I've, I do notice that Robbie Young, if he's named, uh, is playing Gold Coast, which is a decent fixture. So it feels like it's the the Corbett versus Robbie Young Cup, um, <laughs> who, who might break 20, um, which is an exciting, a thrilling battle. Um, Chizo, r- remind me, we've been talking for a while. Have we talked about... Uh, what to do with whore? No, we Hoar haven't. That's, a, that's another really Brodie important Smith.
0: thing. And we've been teasing that out to the, uh, the end of the podcast just to try and get that listener retention, mate. So you've done a really good thing there bringing it up.
1: <laughs> excellent. That was completely excellent. <laughs> so you've got the run sheet, so I have no idea what we're doing here. Yeah,
0: everything's a surprise for me. Yeah. Um, so seeing as you brought it up, I'll, I'll answer first. Marty Hoare can definitively be, or genuinely be your D6. For the remainder of the year, if we take out um, uh, the game where he did copper a, a, a little bit of a, a niggle, uh, I think he got mid fifties or something there, Pistol? I got...
1: No, his f- first round he was he didn't score until halftime. Yeah, and then that's he scored right. Like
0: fifty in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I guess it, it, taking it all in, um, you know, it all in from start to finish. He's getting better as the year goes on. He's intercepting really, really well, and he's playing a fantastic role down there. Um, And the good thing is now that May's back, it's actually kind of freeing him up a little bit to be that third man into a lot of those contests that go deep into the forward line. So I actually really like um, what he can potentially have for the remainder of the year. So uh, he's got a nice little run of Fremantle, Brisbane, uh, Carlton Western Bulldogs and the first four after his buy as well. So uh, I like his uh, potential to average 85 to low 90s on the way home. So um, you could do much, much worse than, uh, than uh, Marty Hor as your D6. And he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Kelly uh, last year as being one of those guys that we couldn't wait to cash in and then suddenly uh, uh, found his way as a permanent fixture in our side. Um, the question that I'll pose to you before you pose it to me, because I don't want to answer it, uh, is is Marty Hoare versus Brody Smith. They're both basically the exact same price. They're both averaging basically the exact same amount at this point in the season, but uh, their trend lines are going in different directions, Pistol.
1: Yes, that's a great question. I'm sure you thought you're the first person to think of this one. Um, I do want to say, though, at the game, Lever looked rusty. I mean, that's the, the best way to call it. I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to have to work his way back into it, into the more of a intercepting role. I think they might use him more as a lockdown um, in the coming weeks, just because he he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't at his best. Clearly, he's been out of the game a long time. I'm not sure if they're too tall with, with Frost, May, Lever, and Hoare. So I think maybe they'll play it based on opposition. Um, obviously, Collingwood, Evmayacek, and Cox, and, and Hoskin, Elliot, and Stephenson. So, so we have the talls where they could play their talls. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in the coming weeks with the, the matchups and who gets freed up and who doesn't. I, I, I don't think Hoare is going to end up having to play you know more defensively minded. He looked perfectly into like intercepting everything and taking, you know, game on whenever he could and all that jazz. So he looks like um he's going to be at least good for that run of games that you did mention. I, I'm not sure I'm not sure I like him sitting at your D six if you've missed one of, like, Lloyd or Hearn or if Whitfield comes back. I think maybe when Whitfield comes back, it might be a, a Horde to Whitfield trade just because you can gain, you know, 20 points per game with that. So that feels like an upgrade that's worthwhile. It doesn't seem that worthwhile if I'm going to be trading Horde to, I mean, Horde of Sicily, what's going to get you, like, maybe 10 points per game and you have to burn a trade? I'm not really sure at this point in time if it's going to be worth it. You know, if you're going to save yourself a donut down the line with a trade, that might be hundred points, and if Sicily is going to outscore Hoare by you know ten points a game, that's pretty much a hundred points for the rest of the season. Um, so I feel like you can get away with holding Hoare. The biggest problem is this week. If you're gonna, if you are going to cop a donut, if you trade Brody Smith and keep Hoare... so so the question I should phrase is, would you rather cop a donut and keep Hoare for the rest of the season, or not cop a donut? And keep Brody Smith. I think Cheeso my answer would be to actually trade out Hoare. The donut is a big deal. It's uh yeah, it will I mean we'll we'll see how Smith goes this week. I mean I can't I shouldn't be results oriented, but if Brody Smith can get, you know, an eighty point lead on Hoare, we're we're talking, you know, four points per game. Um sorry, eight points per game going forward, like that's that's a lot to catch up on, Cheeso. And I definitely think Smith could, you know, in that short run of games, hopefully when Whitfield's back and I can trade um, Brodie Smith to Whitfield. I'm not talking about keeping either of these people for the whole season. Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like in that run of games that Smith has coming up that we read before, he could keep that, I guess, points lead where he has an 80 point head start um, over Haw. So for me, I feel like I would be keeping Smith in the situation I'm going to cop a donut by keeping Haw over Smith. If I wasn't going to do that and it didn't really affect this buy rounds I've got 20 players, I get to choose one, I would, I'd just be keeping Marty Haw. Yeah,
0: and as you say, we're not advocating that you should be keeping Marty Haw at D6 for the remainder of the season. Ideally, you upgrade him. If you have burnt through your trades getting all these crazy rookies like Joe Attlee and and Will Hayes that have just gone nowhere and you're you've... You're, you're low on trades you're forced to kind of pick one of the two I would pick Marty Hoare for the fact that he's not going to give you a 48 based on exposed form since round one he has a he has one score under 86 that, yeah, that's in that's you, great floor. whereas Brody Smith's floor is is just as big as his ceiling. Like, it, there's so much variance there. So, um, if you had to choose between them, Marty Hoare the obvious choice, uh, but ideally, you upgrade both. So, that, that's a distinction you need to make because a lot of people are kind of trading out Brody Smith and, and considering keeping Hoare for the rest of the year. Ideally, you're still upgrading him. You just, if, if I had to keep either of them for a significant amount of time, Hor would be the obvious choice.
1: And even so, if you manage to push Hoard to D seven, that that's even it's better. Amazing. Maybe you want to rotate him if you can rotate him with. Maybe you've got uh, Connor Buckley, who who's quite cheap at four hundred and fifty five k. Maybe even Jaden Short when he comes back from his injury, he's going to get down to about three eighty k, three hundred eighty k for Jaden Short, yeah. Um You could definitely do some sort of loopholing and and crazy stuff with him and Hoar if you're, you're using them at D6 and D7. So uh, there's plenty of opportunities. Um, hopefully that answers a lot of your questions. And she's because we're not going... There's a Thursday night game, so um, I don't think we're doing a Thursday podcast. Maybe we can run through some captaincy options or have I missed something you want to talk about? No,
0: that's definitely... That was next on the run sheet. Um, the important thing Perfect. to talk about here, Pistol, is that... We've lost Gorn, we've lost Grundy, we've lost Kelly, uh, Tim Kelly, we've lost Danger, we've lost Lloyd. A lot of our VC options and C options are missing, so we have to take a little bit more, um, not so much a risk, but maybe take a punt on our VC to try and um, yeah, get ahead of the pack and, and and score some extra points through our VC option. Because obviously last week, if you were someone like me that VC'd Neil, who was on 90 at three-quarter time, ended up on 106. And then Captain Josh Kelly, who was on 90 at three-quarter time, ended up on 107. You were really, really struggling to, <laughs> smile, uh, to smile at the end of the uh, lockout when you saw Paddy Cripps as 194 without a capancy on there is very disappointing. So this this is a, a a round that could really make or break a lot of seasons and the way that we come out the other side of the buys. So um obviously the Thursday night game also wreaks havoc on that. Adelaide and Richmond Pistol. Um I actually uh I I know you've talked to me about this before. Who's the guy that you like in that game?
1: I think Matt Crouch. Mm. I mean he's coming off a, a one twenty three. They're playing at home against Richmond who've just leaked scores of 149 to Dangerfield and 121 to, to Tim Kelly. Um, and as I said, there was that doubt around Dusty. So if they lose him as well, yeah. I think you could do a lot worse than, than Matt Crouch this week.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And the only thing that's keeping his average under 110 right now is just that in, that injury game and uh, a, yeah. a, a couple uh, uh, side effects that we've seen from that. So uh, first game back uh, from his hip-slash-ab-slash fake injury is a 123 pistol. So uh, you could definitely do worse than a VC uh, on that side of things. You could uh, even potentially go, um, a Zach Merritt against the Hawks. He's unlikely to get uh, too much attention from the Hawks there. So um, at the at Marvel Stadium, which he he tends to accumulate at, he could be a, a, a VC option potentially as well. Pistol. The difficult thing with this round is all our capency options are pulled together at the end. So um, my first genuine VC option that I'm looking at. Uh, this week is actually a toss-up, but um, I'll, I'll name the two that I'm thinking of. It's Nat Five, Nat Five, uh, on the Saturday afternoon, and Travis Boak. Funnily enough, I think could be a very, very good VC option.
1: Wow, well, Boak! I, I think I'm, I'd be going, I'd be going Five over Boak every day of the week in this one. Five at home in a game that they probably should win. Uh, he's currently my VC. Yep. Um, but Cheeso, I think it's I'm more intrigued by this later Saturday game, Mm -hmm. Bulldogs have plenty of options that could be captaincy choices against Carlton, but also Carlton renewed. Really, are we just going to look past Cripps's 194? Um, I feel like we probably should mention that he got 194, (laughs) Jizo. That's probably worth putting a VC or C on as well. Uh, are
0: we chasing um, points with him though? Like he he was on the back of 157, 169 and then only went 110 against the Bulldogs this year. That's that's the the week I did actually uh, cop his captaincy uh, in a similar scenario where I I ended up chasing his points.
1: Well, look, it might happen, but then again, I, I've got to ask you, if you have McRae, you have Bont, I don't know what, you've got all the Bulldogs players. You've got McRae, Bont, you've got Daniel, you've got Dunkley, <laughs> you've got Johannesson.
0: <laughs> Which one are you putting the C or VC on? Uh, the VC for me, out of all of those, would be McCray for the fact that he just rips up um, Marvel. I just, I just feel like. Um, Didn't you hear the Bont stats? <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, the only thing that would sway <laughs> me away was he only put ninety-seven on Carlton at Marvel Stadium on at the at the start of the year, but that was after a, a hot start as well. So. Um,
1: Look, Bont's averaging like one thirty at Marvel Stadium, and he's playing Carlton. So, I would be, I'd be going. is tailing just a
0: little bit, though. Yeah,
1: just put on the Bont, and if not a Dunkley as well. (laughs) Who knows what Dunkley could go? He's got unlimited potential, that guy. So, one of these players is going to score well. If not, all of the players are going to score well. So, I don't think you could go too wrong. And then the last game of the round, Chiso. Is it just Josh Kelly time? Yes. (laughs) <laughs>
0: there we go, perfect. Yeah. So uh, let, so is let, that, let's just bring up. See? Let's just bring up his uh, his scores. He hasn't gone. So his lowest score for the year is ninety five. He's only had two sub tons, and he hasn't gone below a hundred and seven. Or but before last week, his lowest score was one hundred and sixteen. Um, uh, since he's been on a ton run, so he's gone six tons in a row. Uh, lowest score of one hundred and seven. Previous before that was one sixteen. So uh, his. Scoring potential this year has been fantastic. So he's your obvious captaincy option in my eyes.
1: So there we've got it. Cheezo's going uh, five into Kelly for anyone playing him in any leagues.
0: Damn it. Thanks, Pistol. Thanks, (laughs) mate. I really appreciate
1: that. No, you're welcome. I'm definitely not doing the same thing. I think I've got you in the league,
0: so
1: oh, that's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, we're just going to cancel each other out. That's going to be great. <laughs> oh, dear! It was just like Speaking uh, of, uh, poor Blackie in uh, Rivalry League. Thought he had me cooked on toast. Decided to put the captaincy on Grundy just to keep things interesting. Wasn't that nice of him? Oh, and he still picked yeah, you two, two points. points so. Imagine scoring, what did I get, 20-50 and still losing by two points. That was... Uh, i i was watching the the uh the scaling at the end of the, the end of the game. i've never watched a, a static screen so intensely before just making just <laughs> scale him down scale him down clearly it was Treloar was best on um but yeah uh, uh you were going to say something before i rudely interrupted
1: yeah no i was going to say uh speaking of canceling each other mm. out i'll uh run through the twitter I was gonna say Twitter numbers. I'm not sure where are like, going that with Doesn't this. make sense. <laughs> no, no. Let's go with the Twitter names. Um, <laughs> if you want to contact us with any questions, uh, feel free to give us a shout on Twitter. Uh, you can find myself Pistol underscore drsc. You can find Cheezo with a K and an S and a Q and a W. <laughs> at getting more letters every week.
0: Drsc,
1: and you can find JB at. Jb underscore drsc
0: chizo. Yeah, and there's a bit of a race on to see who can get to a thousand Twitter followers first.
1: Is okay. First, I heard it. It sounds <laughs> sounds. Fun. Well, we're keeping it a little
0: bit quiet because you're the one in the lead. <laughs> that's that's a
1: good way to win. Don't tell me we're playing,
0: and then just tell me when I lose. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> like that's uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I won't go into that that little analogy There's probably not appropriate for the podcast. Uh, Pistol, fantastic having you on, mate. I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on just to remind me about my Sam Walsh donation mistake.
1: No, excellent. Thank you for having me. And I, I look forward to making sure you pay up the big bucks uh, next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that, mate. Community, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, obviously, no lockout podcast this week because of the Thursday game. So if you do have any of those questions, feel free to hit us on that. Or if you do jump into the Slack channel, you can DM us in there as well. As well. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Pistol, thanks for chatting. We'll talk to you again after the second round of the Buyers Community. Good luck.